there is no better purpose. There is no greater purpose than to raise the next generation of kids in a way to impact the next generation and the next generation after that. We have one shot to get it right. Now, if you're a teacher or a parent, you have direct access. When you're an administrator or you're a leader of an organization, it's a little bit more difficult, but it matters. We're going to talk about that. Purpose Under Pressure next with Neil Gupta. And the pressure is on. Let's get cooking. Welcome to Purpose Under Pressure, brought to you in partnership with my friends at the Ruby Group Sandler Sales Training in Akron and in Columbus. The Ruby Group understands the pressure-packed sales world and will prepare you and your sales team for excellence and results, most importantly, on purpose. Welcome to the show, Dr. Neil Gupta. He's the Director of Secondary Education at Worthington Schools in Columbus currently, and he's been named to soon be the Oakwood School Superintendent they are in the Dayton region. It's an amazing program that they've got going on there. He's also the founder and educational leader, also design thinker. I love that title at Farther Together. It's a place for him to share insights and learnings in the educational field. Those of you that know me know that I love to talk about and improve and find ways to uh, uh, reveal opportunities in education. And so I'm so excited to have uh, Dr. Neil Gupta on the show. Welcome to Purpose Under Pressure. Great. Thanks. I appreciate being here. So we're going to talk about purpose. And I know there's a lot of pressure in education. Holy cow. I mean, is there more pressure? We've got our kids. We're molding our kids. We're molding the future, impacting tomorrow. Uh, we don't have the opportunity to fail, right? And so there's a lot that goes down. But give me a little bit of insight here, Neil, into what you're up to, who you are, what you're doing, and tell, pat yourself on the back a little bit. Let's talk about the good stuff, and then let's get into the pressure. Absolutely. Uh, so so I'm a um, uh, graduate of Miami University for, for my bachelor's program. And uh, just real quick, be, became a high school math teacher in Ashland, Ohio. Um, and, you know, purpose changes right through our, our journey. Um, my goal, I would say at that time was, was you know, I'm, I'm teaching math. I'm teaching the subject. I'm teaching the student. You could talk about that, but I'm teaching the student some math. And maybe I'll try to fit in you know, some, some things about life. Um, mm-hmm. and then I would say just through our, my, my course of trajectory of, of, um, I think right place at the right time. I think our, our district, um, in Ashland at the time was going through this, this, um, Baldridge, something called the Baldridge improvement plan. It was a quality plan. And, uh, they, they wanted to really build in this idea of succession planning. And so really early on the district put a lot of, um, faith and support in me, put me in a lot of leadership positions, so I quickly began to see a larger view of what does education look like outside of my classroom. And um, so was working on my master's degree and then worked on my doctorate degree. And you start to kind of realize that you can affect change at a larger scale. Uh, you know, I never wanted to be the one that just complains about, you know, why can't they just do that? Why can't they just do that? Um, but it was the idea of, of, you know, becoming an assistant principal, uh, going to the central office in Ashland um, and, and, and doing some really neat things. Um, I got a, a phone call to, to come down to New Albany Plain Local School District in Columbus. Uh, so I, I, um, it was a great move for our family. The timing was right. And so I became the K-12 um, Director of Teaching and Learning. And, uh, and then uh, got an got a ability to, to move to Worthington Schools and uh, have been here for the past eight years as the Director of Secondary Education. So 11,000 student district, um, work with amazing principals in, in uh, eight different school buildings, um, and, uh, life's been good here. And then again, the kids grow up, um, and had the opportunity to, um, think about what's next. And so, uh, uh, sort of make applying. And I really found Oakwood schools to be a, a, um, a charming district, um, 
um, high performing district. And uh, so went through the application process and uh, luckily um, and, and feeling blessed uh, to be able to make that next move this coming fall to be the superintendent. Congratulations to you. That's an amazing path, an amazing journey, and a lot of impact that you've made. And I'm interested when it comes to purpose. You mentioned starting as a math teacher. Did you want to impact kids? Did you want to impact the future? Or did you want to be a math teacher? And now, do you want to impact kids in the future? Or do you want to be a superintendent? And either answer is okay. But I'm interested in what drives you. So I was was never really... Uh, great in at math, um, you know, kind of, you know, from, from that aspect. <laughs> That's um, helpful. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't great. You you didn't want me teaching calculus. Okay. Um, it was it, it was always a place for me to connect with kids. It was always a place for me to um, breathe life into to them and and be that place of giving them hope and inspiration. Um, I think that I to be honest with you, I think what helped was that because I wasn't good at math, um, I, I was fine taking some of the early um, high school math classes to teach. And teach it in a way where hope, hopefully students learn from it that way. Um, my hope was a little bit they got excited about it. Um, maybe they found some interest in it. But I also kind of found, helped them find some ways to make it come to life and make it a little bit easier for them rather than it felt foreign to them. Um, you know, but I think at the time, and I think this is the journey piece that comes in, into all this conversation, is that was 25 years ago. And so um, think about that. 25 years ago, teaching um, before cell phones, you know, uh, before really the idea of the internet explosion sort of thing, before chat GPT, mm-hmm. all those things kind of come into play. And so, you know, you, I think our roles at the time was the right role was we were the dispensers of information and we were the ones mm-hmm. that were, were providing that information. And because of technology it's changed now. because of, right. And, and I'll give two, two things I think that kind of helped change, or I'll give you three things that changed our, um, mindset of how, how things kind of evolved is the world has changed, the technology's changed, um, and, and how we have to be able to, those are the two, and I'll come to the third, but how we have to like change our narrative of, you know, if, if we still think that we're, we're the ones that are providing and dispensing information as educators now, regardless of our role, you know, we're, we're missing out because again, students can get it from their phones, they can get it from other places. And so our, our role has to shift into this place of, how are we are, are able to be critical thinkers? How are we able to um, be be informed decision makers? How are we able to to understand perspectives, recognize perspectives, understand how to um, look at multiple viewpoints? Um, maybe either defend what we believe or sometimes modify what we believe based on what we see and hear. Um, so all those come into play, and I, and and. We're not even talking about for when students graduate and go on into what we're talking about students now, like students have to be are having to figure out how to navigate the world now. And um, I I think that that has been a big purpose for me in in the shift. And so is is that is that a problem? Or an opportunity, this, all this technology and new opportunities. I mean, I no longer have to learn who won the battle of, you know, 1812 or when it was fought. You know, I don't, I don't have to learn those things. Who's buried in, in Lincoln's tomb? Um, I can just look this stuff up. Yeah. Uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing for the future? Yeah. So perspective matters. And so it's funny because, you know, I, I'm on social media a lot and you'll see um, educators on both sides of that coin. Um, and I'm on the side of the coin that says opportunity. I, mm. you know, I, I, well, number one is it, 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 it's reality. So number one, there's, you, you know, you can't, you can't go back in the time machine. Can't ignore it. 
no, you can't ignore it. But I guess I embrace it. Like, you know, and I, and, you know, and we also know, like, it's just the beginning. Like when you really start kind of looking at how things are going to, and how much faster things are going to happen, it's not going to be this linear, it's this, it's this upslope of, of what's going to take place. Um, that we have to be faster at being able to kind of and be more nimble at, at being responsive to those things. And, and so I don't, I don't shy away from it. I don't try to sit in my office and create rules that say, well, let's shut this down and put a filter on and turn this off and turn because, you know, the world doesn't stop after, you know, the kids leave our, our school buildings. Um, so we have to learn how to embrace it and help, you know, our, our, our teachers, our educators being able to embrace it and, and work in that system. So your purpose is to, is to shape uh, and form a generation that can shape and form future generations. I mean, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth. Absolutely. I'm interested in the problems, the pressures, the purpose under pressure. Where is it toughest for you to make your purpose true? Is it getting the teachers in line? Because they're old, right? They're old like me. This is all brand new to them. The kids know more about technology than they do in some, in some ways. Is it helping administrators and board members know where the direction ought to be? Or is it with the kids? And getting right. them on board. Where, where's the where's the issues? Yeah. So so this goes back to that. This is my third point, and which goes back to why I chose the, the phrase "farther together." Yes. So there's an African proverb that says, "If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together." And wow. my my I, go, I talked about that journey piece, and I would say the journey piece for me was I was I was great at going fast, and I thought leadership was about like trailblazing and, and, you know, finding your own path and going. And, and there's nothing wrong with that un, un, unless you find out that you're, nobody's following you and nobody's coming along with right. you through that journey. And I, I would say that if I had to go back again, um, one of the, my, where I stubbed my toe a number of times was I was moving out so fast and um, that, that it felt like I was making all these changes, but really in actuality, nobody else was behind you or with you through that, that journey. And, and so really no change took place. So this purpose under pressure piece that, that you kind of talk about is this idea about, I don't know if it's a classification of a group of people. I think the answer is it's all of us. We all collectively have to go together, you know, um, but it's this idea of how do we do that so we're, we're kind of walking in unison as much as possible, you know, and, and so it doesn't matter. It's not about, a, you know, um, a, like I said, a classification of a group of people, because I think there's pockets of, of um, people that want to move along and there's pockets that don't. It's just how do you turn around and make sure that we're, we're kind of enacting a vision and going into reality at the same place and at the same time and lifting it. Um, that's where I think the, perp- the pressure comes in when that doesn't happen. And so what are you going to do about it? How are you going to make that happen? Yeah. So this goes back to design thinking. So yeah. okay. you know, design thinking are principles, and, and it's really this, this concept called human-centered design. So um, hmm. I, I've really realized, I think, as a leader, um, having a title actually doesn't mean anything. Like, actually, the title sometimes gets in the way. Boy, that's for sure. Um, and I've, I've learned, like, I've got to, and, and I, I realize that. So I'm, I'm going to a, a new school district, and, you know, they're on this trajectory right now. They've got this, this solid team right here, and they're, they're moving on all cylinders. They're doing amazing things that I'm, what I'm finding out is. I'm the person that's coming in that's new, and I have this title, and, um, but I, I don't have trust. I, I mean, I have to realize I don't have trust. And title doesn't mean that they have to trust me. So I've got to, you know, I use this phrase, I have to flatten the system and, and be vulnerable and be in a place of listening and making sure that I'm like, for example, these past, um, I've spent 
I've got 10 contracted days to work in the district. Um, I've spent the first four days of, of going to Oakwood and spending the day in just, I'm calling them listening and learning sessions. And I'm asking them, what do you love about Oakwood? How do you, how do you work well with each other? How will you, do you want to work well with me? And I'm just listening. I'm not talking. I'm not trying to, and it's not about me. Here's my, here's my vision. Here's my goals. Here's what I'm going to do. I can't do those things until I understand them and what's their heart and what's their passion, what's their purpose and what's their, all those things have to happen on that side first. And, and so we get into the room, for example, I could sit in my office all day. I made this joke of, um, uh, that there was a testing schedule that's going to happen, you know, uh, you know, state testing is going to come up. Well, I can sit in my office and I can mathematically figure out what the testing schedule is going to be. I can figure that out. Like I'm smart. It's math. It's math. Mm-hmm. The problem is if I sit there and just push something out like that, I may unintentionally, there may be unintentional consequences of what about transportation, the bus drivers and the, and the routes? What about food service of when they're serving lunch? If I make a change sort of thing that has to happen, have I communicated to families about that? We have partnerships with the career center. And, and if I make a change in the schedule, how's that going to impact them? And so I've got to slow down and say, let's get the right people in the room and let's talk and listen. And we could come up with something, but we've got to do it the right way. The pressure sometimes happens when we don't have time. I, I never necessarily give money as my pressure piece. It's sometimes time mm. or not that forethought of um, thinking about all those people that probably need to be involved in when, when and how decisions happen. See, on the rule, only decision makers can get other people to make decisions. Each and every day, we have a decision to make. Also, when we're with buyers in our sales process, we have a decision to make how we're going to lead that interaction. And if I'm somebody that can make daily commitments and keep those daily commitments, then when I'm with buyers, I expect them to make commitments and keep those commitments to me throughout that sales process. So first and foremost, I have to have a decided heart in order to lead other people to make the decisions that I'm expecting them to make. You know, I and we've talked about it a little bit before together. I've been a school board member and I've seen things happen. And, and, and there's big ideas and then there's implementation and they don't always match up. And so they're always good ideas and they're always based on purpose. And I know you have some too. What are you afraid of? In the, in the future, a year down the line, two years down the line, something that you want to happen doesn't happen. I'm interested in, in what your eyes are on, what the mm-hmm. big challenge is going to be uh, as you work to accomplish your purpose of impacting generations of kids. Gosh, I, I, have, so many, I have so many fears. Um, I, first and foremost, I think it is, um, I think we're, we're all wired sometimes to be people pleasers. And, you know, I think that's, that's natural. Um, and I, I, I know that like, for example, we, you know, our mission at Oakwood Schools is doing what's best for kids, and you know, I, I think that. most often we get in ourselves into a position where we're 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 um, kind of finding ourselves in the politics part uh, of what, uh, how a decision's made, and we're not thinking about what's best for kids. We're thinking about sometimes what's best for the adults. Um, I think sometimes we're we're trying to please a, a certain group of people. Versus trying to again do what we we know is what's right, and and not being afraid then to do that, knowing that I may you know make some people frustrated and angry and those things, which wouldn't be my intent. Nobody goes into that decision, but obviously you know in, in a district of two thousand students, 
some decisions aren't going to aren't going to be beneficial for some versus others, and, right. and I think just going in knowing that is going to be you know tough to, to um, you know because I think everybody gets into any role wanting to do what's best for kids as best we can, and so sometimes that idea of it hurts when you, you're going to I'm going to get that email or I'm going to get that parent that comes to me or, or the staff member or the student that says you you didn't help me on this one, and that you know you you, you want to do things that that help everybody and always that, but you know that's not a reality. But you can't, yeah, and. Our- are you quick to make changes or are you more solid? This has got to work. Let's try it again. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's this, there's this, um, uh, uh, researcher, I guess his, his name is, um, uh, awesome. It's an awesome researcher's name, Victor Vroom. And, uh, okay. he, he, he puts out a, sur- he, he, there's a survey as, as part of this research that he does. And, and the answers are all the same. Like the choices are all the same in the survey. It's like, you as the leader make the decision. Um, this one might be you get a group of people together, but you make the decision. This might be you get a group to, together and the group makes the decision, you know, that kind of thing. So there are 30, let's say 30 scenarios. One of them is, um, you know, like, um, I, I don't know, you're going through a consolidation of two school districts and you're, you're putting two school districts together. So which one do you do? Well, mm-hmm. obviously the hope is you get a group of people together and the group of, the group makes the decision sort of thing. Or you're figuring out what's for dinner tonight sort of thing and family dinner. You might want something like that. But there could be, um, you know, you're you're the the supervisor of, um, you know, at the airport and there's a there's a, a briefcase sitting on the ground und- unattended. Well, you don't say, let's get a group together. Let's think about that and have a couple meetings and then let's make a group decision. You make the decision, you right? The decision. You, know, you make the decision. So, so in other words, the survey is trying to glean out is um, there's two things it's trying to glean out. They're time-driven decisions and they're development-driven decisions. And the goal is that everything in the goal should be that you, you try to develop your team in every decision you can. Now, the only, like I said, constraint is when time's the factor. The problem is we sometimes act like everything's time-driven. And, we, and, and, and here's, here's what we do. Because the email comes in and I just want to f- fix the email and I just want to respond to the email and be done. And that gets us into trouble because sometimes we don't have to like we don't have to make a decision. Sometimes at that moment, we we could sit there and let that email sit while we sometimes need to go back and reflect, go back and check with other people. We stub our toes when we think everything has to be time driven. So sometimes they have to be. But I think our pressure comes in when we sometimes put them on ourselves, too, by making quick decisions that we don't need to or not involving people when we should. So you've really got a handle on this leadership thing and you're going to do great in this new role. And I also know your heart for kids and I know your purpose and let's do the right thing for kids. So I have this question for you. In the administrative role, are you able to impact your purpose? Are you able to reach the kids? Do you bring them home? I don't mean actually home, but do you bring them home in your mind? My wife works in the schools. She brings these kids home with her in her mind. Do you struggle with actually being able to impact kids on a one-to-one basis from your administrative role? Yeah, so I think this that goes back to this idea of if I wanted to, I could make any job. So I've been I've been in uh, three central office, th- three school districts in a central office um, role, and then I'm be mo- moving to the fourth district central office position. I could, if I wanted to, um, sit in my office, like I said, all day drinking coffee, answering emails, answering and and, and leading. And I'm using and the word leading. People do it that way. And yeah. Leading, right? Um. Uh, you know, and, and this is just an example, but but um, I, I told, talked about those listening and learning sessions, right? Well, one of the things that I did was I I, I told my administra- 
administrative assistant who um, set the meetings up for me. I told her who I wanted to meet with and, and set them up for me. She had access to everybody's calendars. I said, but during the lunch hour, put me with kids in the cafeteria. I want to sit with kids in the cafeteria. I don't want another staff member with me. I don't need to be escorted into the cafeteria. I know how to find the cafeteria, that sort of thing. I just want to sit with kids. And and yesterday I, I was um, interviewed by the student student group, you know, and, and, and got to talk with one of the students from there. So I think to your point is, is to keep myself kind of at centered and keep myself foundational, you purposefully have to put yourself in those positions. Um, and, and it's either formal or informal times. Um, prior to COVID, um, I, I was doing something called the shadow of student challenge. And I was shadowing a student for a full day. Now I'm in schools all the time. I'm in and out of classrooms, but it's kind of funny, you know, like you're in nature and if you walk through nature, you don't hear anything and you kind of go, well, this is kind of dumb. But if you kind of like just sit and you're quiet sitting in nature, all of a sudden, like the deer and the birds and everything come out. Well, what I found out with the shadow of student challenge is when I sit for a full day shadowing a student, um, the students forget you're there after a little while. Mm-hmm. And then the reality of what it, it is comes into play. Yeah. I started hearing conversations that that I think that because they forgot, you know, sort of thing, yeah. even though I'm bald and have you're gray hair. one of them. Yeah. And 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 they'll, they'll be honest with you. You know, if you ask the right question, phrase the right way, they they will ask you, you know, certain things. I was sitting in the um, cafeteria a couple weeks ago and, you know, um, I think one of the students, uh, I, I was in charge of this initiative that we were just getting ready to pull off later that afternoon. So I sit down, they didn't know I was in charge of that. And I sat down and I just said, Hey, what, is, what, what, you know, what's going to happen this afternoon? And they said, we got this dumb thing that's going to happen. And I, and I, you know, so I first had to, I first had to like get myself up off the floor and I said, you know, I said, Hey, I said, you know, I think it's a state requirement. We have to do it, you know? And then, and then they said, Oh, we didn't know that. It'd be better if you guys did this. Oh yeah. And I was just like, Oh, awesome. Oh, where were you guys three weeks ago? That's like it. this would have been awesome. So when we're in those positions, I think it just helps us out. So being with our kids and being around faces, I, um, after school yesterday, I ran over to the tennis match and, um, a bunch of parents were there and I politely talked to them a little bit, but then I kind of said, Hey, look, I'm here to see the kids and I I don't mean to be impolite, you know, but I want to go check on our kids. So if I could have gone home, I could have sat in my office and sent emails. I could have, you know, done something else. I should have exercised probably, but I wanted to be around students. Yeah. You got to take that time. That's, that's the thing that happens when you grow into leadership positions or you own a business or whatever, you got into that business for a purpose and a passion. And yet you end up sometimes working your way out of that direct impact. And so you have to be purposeful on that. Speaking of purpose, Dr. Neil Gupta, uh, soon to be superintendent at Oakwood schools and currently at Worthington schools in Columbus. I really want to talk about purpose. Now we're going to shift just a little bit. There's an angel, I think there are angels that walk the earth. I do believe this. And there's not very, I don't think there's many, but I know a few. And one that I know is Dr. Gupta. You're Dr. Gupta, but this is your father. Dr. Mohinder Gupta is an amazing person. And I, I just know purpose oozes out of him. And I'd like you to talk to us about him if you would. Sure. Yeah, so my, my dad is still uh, still an eye doctor in, in Ashland, or the, the eye doctor in Ashland. Um, uh, growing up, I think sometimes we all, we all grow up and we don't know anything beyond, you know, what our parents do, you know, sort of thing. So we assume all, all parents are like that. And then we get older and realize, you know, kind of the, the, the differences come into play or what our, our, parent, our parents do. Um, so early on, I, I, you know, I, 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 I have seen that my dad um, just has a genuine um, love for people. 
uh, that, that I would say that's his purpose is just being for people and helping people. Um, I think the eye is the, the, the secondary thing that, you know, the, the eye is what gets him to be able to c- connect with people. Um, but I think he'd, he'd still be around people and want to care, pe- care for people, um, throughout the day. You know, one of the stories I thought was really interesting. And again, I think it's part of shaped my journey in, in the conversations that I've just shared with you was, um, he, he talked about, um, and that he said, Neil, my role as an eye doctor changed. I don't, I forget how many years it was in, but he said, you know, most often I could walk into the waiting or I could walk into the patient office area, you know, and I knew what the eye problem was because it's, it's right there. It's the eye. It's not like it's something in the stomach. It's not something that's whatever, you know, it's the eye. And he goes, I knew how to treat it. And when I was young, I could just go right in and I, I was all focused on already the solution sort of thing. These are, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, these aren't exactly how he said it, but here's how I heard it was, but they would come back the next week and still complain about the pain. And he's like, wait a minute, I know I treated it. I treated it because I saw it and I knew how to fix it and I fixed it. Well, what he realized was the people, the person hadn't shared their story. They hadn't mm. shared how the eye trauma took place. And for him, for him, it didn't matter how it happened, uh, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. They didn't talk about how there was pain that night. They didn't talk about how it was uncomfortable sleeping. They didn't talk about how it affected the kids while they were, you know, trying to maybe get dressed that next morning sort of thing. So he realized the same thing. He had to slow down a little bit. And if he spent five minutes with the patient, not a manipulation, not manipulation, but genuine connection and care and love that then when he, after he heard the story and shared shared those things, and then uh, you know said, "Let's go ahead and get this fixed out." They weren't coming back a week later complaining of eye eye problems and pain. And interesting. And so he talked about the idea of like you have to care for the holistic person, the patient as a whole. Um, and that's that's really stuck with me as far as just how we care for people in general. Um, we're always building relationships. Yesterday. I, I told you that um, I, I was getting interviewed by by that stu- a student mm-hmm. and um, she, freshman student, and so lovely. She she was late coming in into the meeting. Um, she had forgotten about it, which is okay. Freshman high school student, and um, and I could tell she was just anxious. I mean, I'm sure anxious about me. I'm in a suit. She doesn't know who I am. Um, had these interview questions, that sort of thing, and I realized she was like, "Okay, you ready to go?" And I said why don't you first take a seat? Like she got everything set up, was having trouble getting everything set up. And I said, why don't you take a seat? Let me ask you who you are and what do you love about Oakwood and tell me about your family. And you just heard her, her calm down kind of through that. And after a certain while, and it's funny, she wasn't looking at me. She was too busy. And at a certain point, she started looking at me and smiling and her, you know, um, shoulders started to kind of come down a little bit. After all, I said, okay, let's go ahead and start the interview now. And I think it just became a lot more lovely through that. So everything is about relationships. It's not about the task. If we spend a little bit more time, we'll get, we'll get there, but we don't have to jump there all the time. Caring about people, getting to the root of the issue and listening to them and, and being, uh, being a part of their story yeah. is, is what makes the difference. Yeah. And so I think dad has, has really inspired that in me, and, you know, is that, Again, it, you know, people will talk about, I, I, I don't think it's, you know, when people really talk about, it, they'll say like, he helped me with my eye and he helped me with the eye. And, and like I said, like, sure, that's, that's what got you to go to the office sort of thing. But I think what people will truly, I think, appreciate or really, you know, when they share stories with me is his kindness and his gentleness and, and those things kind of come through. And those are, aren't the things necessarily around the eye. Those are things around him as a person. That's right. 
And we love them and we love you. And it, it, let's talk a little bit about Farther Together and at the same time, maybe share with folks how they might get in touch with you if they want to access those services or even just talk about education and kids or whatever they might sure. be inspired to do. Um, let's talk about those things just a little bit. Sure. So, yeah, you can, um, I, I created a website, fartherdogether.org. Um, it's a place where I, um, I love to write. So I, I, I write blogs. Um, usually the blogs come out of something. You, most often it's where I stubbed my toe. It may not be written that way. <laughs> it's like self-help, isn't it? It's yep. self-help. Yep. And it's, yep. it's, um, people have diaries and journals and things yep. like that. And I just went ahead and put it on the website. So yeah. people, it's public. Right. Um, and, um, you know, after a while, um, school districts, uh, will reach out to me or um, and ask me to um, come in and present and speak at their district um, for convocation days or coaching administrators. Um, so I'll, I do that too. I'm coach teams. Um, so I, I use that as a place to kind of share where where am I co- going next. Um, uh, that becomes fun. I put po- links to my podcasts on there too. Um, so there's a, a place for that. Um, but but I really look at it as a place to kind of also connect with people. So I'm, I am on Twitter a lot. I'm on social media. Um, Facebook's more my place to kind of like, you know, uh, showcase my family or, yeah. or be kind of a dad or a husband. Um, but Twitter, um, if I see a great article, I retweet it. I, and I, I post some things on there that really exemplify either our school district or things that are happening with our students um, or things I'm learning in education. And so is that the best way to reach out to you is either through Twitter or social media or through the website? Absolutely. Perfect. Dr. Gupta, thank you so much for all that you're doing for kids. I know you're going to do great at Oakwood Schools. I know they're going to appreciate having you there. I'm here in Ashland still, and I kind of wish you were back. But (laughs) I know you're making an impact where you are, and you're going to inspire next generation. So congratulations, best of luck, and thank you very much for being a guest on Purpose Under Pressure. Great. Thank you. This is Purpose Under Pressure. The purpose must remain no matter the pressure. And we'll be here every week with new stories to help you stay on course. You'll find more episodes of inspiration at brianmediastrategies.com slash podcast. We're also on YouTube. You can see Neil's wonderful, wonderful uh, bald head and, and beard that he was talking about there a little bit ago. And wherever you catch your podcast, you can listen to us. So be present, be prepared, be purposeful. We'll see you next time.